Welcome to the MailZone Podcast. This is episode 64. I'm Tom. And I'm Stefan. And on today's episode, which is a bit of, well, is a bit overdue, to be honest, uh, we talk about the things that kept us busy the last weeks and will keep us busy the next weeks. So, shows, for example. Tom was at the East Coast Rap Rap Festival. I'm going to be at Forum Next uh, in two weeks. Uh, we going to talk how... <laughs> You might be able to to stay in Frankfurt uh, cheaply. Uh, we're also going to talk a bit about a, a tangent on uh, electric vehicles <laughs> and also fully suspended uh, bike baby trailers. Uh, then, yeah, of course, the thing finally happened. Twitter got bought up by Elon Musk. And will we be staying there as one of our social media platforms? Then a bit of an evergreen topic uh, from my side is um, the Kickstarter policy. My policy is not to cover Kickstarter machines or machines that aren't available yet. Is that viable? Is that what people want? Is that what you want? Well, we'll discuss that. And I don't know if we come to a conclusion, but we'll see. Uh, a pleasant one. Pleasant aromas, pleasant processes. And that is coffee making. Is there a crossover and a, a similarity between the hobbies of 3d printing and the hobbies of coffee making i think so and stefan's actually a bit more involved here than i am so he's got some really good input there uh a bit of news ulti maker um and the MakerBot. oh god this is getting confusing uh the MakerBot sketch large uh it seems like it's a very familiar machine where do they make them do they make them themselves bit of speculation and a correction from last time about you imagine and as always we also answer questions uh about gridfinity about uh, non-planar z and how those might impact strength of your parts about merging channels just like ultimaker and makeabot did and whether i would like to launch a makeabot uh, make a maker space and turns out i i don't but apparently stefan does well 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 look at us we've been traveling I've, I've I'm, been traveling. I, I look like I'm. I've gotten some tan from from all like, the sunshine I've been getting lately. Um, but no, it's just a different lighting in the studio. It's just a different lighting, and and well, you're back in your basement again, so <laughs> there isn't that much. I don't know natural lighting. It, it uh, looks like natural light. It, it works it really well. Yeah. 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 We have been traveling, and unfortunately, we haven't been recording for four or five weeks now yeah, we, we, we skipped at least one episode i'm sorry i'm sorry i've sorry. been busy I stefan's was... been busy it's just yeah. when, when you have two people that that kind of you know we have schedules that need to line up you kind of yeah, yeah. texas traveling work family uh sometimes it's 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 kind of hard yeah so yeah you have been to the east coast rep rep festival where i am i don't know unfortunately wasn't i would have really liked to be in the, to be there but I've been traveling too much in October, so... Have, have you I, ever made it to Earth? I never was at Earth, and just seeing how organized it was <laughs> compared to the Midwest <laughs> Rap Rap Festival, even though I, 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 I do enjoy those less organized events, I felt kind of bad for not being there, and especially when I've seen how many were there and I mean, how many I would have liked to meet. Yeah, look, look, Earth is not like a student um if sort of event where yeah. it's like everything's like perfectly planned like form next might be or might not be i don't know we'll get to that in a second um it's a, it's a great event it's just it's so frictionless like it's so so everything is just there everything's well done i've i think i've, I've yeah i've tweeted about this like the organizers of earth fantastic job 
Um, I skipped Murph this year. You skipped Earth. Maybe next year. Um, it was it was fantastic, but it was way too short. Like there's there's two approaches to this. Like one is where you say, "Hey, let's do an all week event," and then everyone's like, "Ah, I'm I'm already shot after two days. <laughs> I, I can't do this for like a full five days plus a weekend or whatever." Um, but yeah, uh, f- f- great event. Lots of lots of great people. Way too short for me. And the thing is also when when you're there for business when your job is to make videos mm. i mean i'm just a messenger at that point um <laughs> the, the the goal first and foremost is to to like find the content or the find the projects find the, the people that are interesting and bring that to to you guys you guys watching um hopefully my, my channel um that is my job to be there i'm not the guy who who like brings the projects there at this point my job is to make videos about that so yeah, I, I hope I, I did that job pretty well. Um, but I did get some some time to talk to people too, and it's it's just so much to see. Uh, even yeah. though it was, it felt like it was a relatively compact event, but it's still it's the same venue, it's the same arena um, as as it always has been, and it's been it's been jam it's been jam packed full of just awesome stuff from from like just iterative improvements to like the completely new stuff. Like, mm. Yeah. Did you have the feeling that there were less ex- exhibitors than 2019 when you were there last time? Because with Murph, I don't know if it was the venue side that made it feel smaller or if just not that many traveled to the event, but I had the feeling that there were less people there and less people exhibiting their stuff. I think at, at Earth it was pretty much the same. Okay. Um I don't know, was was I there when it was happening the first or the second time? I don't know, but it it felt it felt good. It, I think as far as like how crowded it was with with people rushing in, it was not like packed. Um but it was still a a, a solid number of visitors um who who came. So, yeah. So for you it was a business trip and how stressful was it because I just remember Very. a couple of days a couple of days before you said oh I made the wrong decision this is not enough time for everything that I want to do so um, you arrived on Thursday or on, you on Friday on Friday so that that was that was perhaps a bit of a bad call um obviously I need sponsors to pay for the trip and to make it worthwhile to to go there um like i said it's it's a business trip um so the plan was to have two videos out on friday night before the event even opened um so i flew in friday evening um the goal was to to get there like 8 p.m when like the booths were set up and i had ldo and uh, microswiss um sponsoring those two first look videos um and the plan was to film them right then and there problem is i-95 was closed and like delays and i waited for an hour at immigration so i got there at like 8 45 and the official deadline for the for the night was like we're gonna shut the lights off at nine so <laughs> i got the organizers to, to keep the lights on for like 10 more minutes but i just couldn't film all the stuff that i needed i had like the the script be- prepared beforehand um i knew what what the what leo and, and microsoft were going to show so i had that prepped but I couldn't get all the footage. So nah. um, so not only was the first day of arriving there, and this is this is like plus six hours. So I was mm. up for like almost 24 hours at that point. Um, 
I, w- I was going to edit the stuff in the hotel, which kind of worked. I, I got that new laptop for it, which worked beautifully. Um, I did some editing. So the first morning, the first like couple of hours of Saturday were spent filming the rest of the footage. And then at like 12 at noon, um, I had those videos done. So I, I, I kind of lost that first half of the of the Saturday, which, yeah, I'm not going to do again. I'm not going to run run that way again. <laughs> Um, maybe get that just a bit a bit earlier, uh, yeah. or have that one day of acclimatization. The thing is, when you get there, when you're like so pumped full of a- adrenaline, and you just you're just trying to do the stuff you want, you're excited, you want to you want to mm. get stuff done, you 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 see awesome stuff. I did not feel how tired I actually was. Um, <laughs> I only realized how much of a of a blank mind state I was in. When I tried to edit the videos and I realized, hey, I, I, this is the third time I'm asking this poor guy the same question. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, yeah, Stephen from from Opulo. Opio? Op- 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 no, Opio is, is a band. Uh, Opulo. Um, I asked the guy like the same question three times and I've got three different answers from him. Yeah. So I edited those together. It's, it's, yeah. I think the video is great, but like, I'm, I, I feel sorry for everyone that I bothered by just not being fully there. Um <laughs> So yeah, maybe maybe like one day earlier in the, the flying out Saturday, uh, Sunday night. That was that was good. That was good. It didn't feel like mm-hmm. you were you were just wasting an extra day after the event. But flying in maybe one day earlier, probably the better call. Probably probably a smart move. Yeah. So I flew in I think two days early to Murph, and it really helped me just well be at the venue in in a state of mind where I was able to to be functional. So. Yeah. That was kind of a good thing. Um, but on the other hand, I so since since last time when I was at Murph, I didn't really film anything. I, I wasn't prepared and I did not really have a plan how to approach that. So after like one and a half days, I realized, oh, sh- shit, I need to start filming <laughs> a couple of projects. And then the first yeah. guy was already gone and things like that. Uh, um, Earth, fantastic. Like they, they actually had in their terms that people were not allowed to pack up before like Sunday evening when the event officially closed. Okay. Yeah. They, they, they wanted to, to give uh, visitors the experience. Like if somebody yeah. just came for a day, they didn't want them to find an empty event, which is exactly what's happening at Murph when yeah. get their Sunday, like people start packing up. So... Yeah, so sometimes even like Saturday, people are flying in, people are are driving for hours and hours to get there. Um, So that was kind of unfortunate because then I made my list and I tried to work through the list. I noticed, yeah, already the first interesting project was gone. So I am, maybe let's... uh, (laughs) For a second, get to the next topic. I wanted I want to do a couple of videos at at Form Next this year, uh, which is in two weeks. Yeah, so so Form Next. Uh, tell me, I, I I've heard some. I don't know if it was from you or from somebody else. Um, where it was like Form Next is trying to like restructure themselves and 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 kind of change their approach to things. Because for me, Form Next, and uh, what was the other one? Those German shows. They yeah. are really B two B trade shows. They're not yeah. events what's 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 the word I'm, I'm i'm trying to find here conventions yeah they're not people showing their stuff it is really they're trade shows yeah companies trying to sell yeah. you or other companies their goods yeah. so i've heard that formex is trying to get out of that and, and more into the diy maker mm. thing so i was there last time 2019 and i had the impression 2019 that there were more small companies 
I don't know, delivering to the to the B two B two C market uh, to so to makers to to individuals. Um, as in the year years before, I wasn't there last year, so I don't know um, what changed and if they really do have the incentive to get more less professional. <laughs> it's it's a hard word, smaller but uh, mo- Sm- smaller, yeah, smaller smaller companies there. Yeah. Small exhibitors there, um, but so I, I guess the main reason why I am going there is not to look for the things I would look for uh, at the East Coast Rep Festival or at the Maker Fair, but I would like to maybe give my viewers a bit of an impression about the professional market, something that is interesting but probably nobody can really afford. Um, so. True. Um, I have a couple of concepts in my head. What I want to film, take a a, a bit look, a, a bit of a look at at metal additive manufacturing, where we are at today, and, yep. and things like that, and try to just get some short impressions of di- different technologies uh, into my camera and, and try co- to communicate them in the video to give, yeah, the maker community an impression. Uh, of what, what else can be there. done what, yeah. what else is out there um that yeah. i don't know if i'm going to succeed there but i'm more more prepped for that uh in comparison to to the midwest rapper festival yeah um still gonna be interesting well it's yeah for sure um like i said i've, I've heard i mean a bunch of people are going to be there from from the well from the community company folks as well um rep going to be there uh for example not as an exhibitor but just as a visitor just as yeah. like Hey, this is an event that I can network at. Yep. Um, we'll see. So I'm I'm not gonna go, yep. most likely, unless I just hop in the car and drive up there. But I'm probably not. <laughs> that gonna worked go. so well in 2019. Hopefully, your car. I had the gonna... shitty leaf back then. Yeah. I, I yeah, not, I got rid of that so fast. Um, so may, maybe just to, to talk about that again. So 2019, you were at at Forum Next. I think you were there for two days. You stayed a night or something like that. Yeah, yeah. But it it felt to me a bit like the thing that you did for the East Coast Rep Rep Festival, just drive there one day, be there for a night, and next day drive drive back home. A lot of stress. Um, And you actually made a couple of interesting uh, uh, videos there. I can remember the... The printing robot arm. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, That's the one I remember too. It's the only one I remember from that show. But that that was a good one. yeah, it was a good one. The thing that I can remember is that on your drive back home, your leaf drove itself into, I into don't the know. concrete barrier. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, because the I, I, the entire time that the the lane centering assist, which yeah. uh, the straight pipes called baller, I think um, it worked well. Um, you could, you, I mean, you you, were, you still have to pay attention, obviously, but mm. you it, it drives itself and it gives you warning if it turns itself off. Um, worked perfectly on the way back. I looked down, I tried to grab something. Next thing I know is like, <laughs> um, the car jumps because you have these concrete barriers that have like a, a little slope on the bottom. Yeah. Neither the lane centering assistant kicked in nor the lane departure warning kicked in. Like yeah. both of those systems failed and it just <laughs> yeeted itself right into that that barrier. Um, I think the, the rim is like kind of screwed up, but yeah, that was like two weeks before I got rid of that car anyway. So yeah. Um, uh, yeah, not, not pleasant. Plus, the leaf is just it. It overheats if you if you drive it for longer than you know two hundred kilometers. It stops being able to charge fast. So, yeah. not a good car. 
You still have your Peugeot. I still have the Peugeot, yeah. Um, but I'm getting rid of it pretty soon. Um, Because your uh, leasing contract is... No, nah, nah, I'm actually I'm actually returning it a year early. Um, and I'm getting Why? The okay, please continue. I'm getting the exact same car again. <laughs> are, are you getting the exact same... Well, so the, the thing is, I just yesterday talked to a friend of mine who is is um ceo at a company and who said yeah he thought that his leasing contract for his bmw x3 or something like that ends in like three quarters of a year um, he knows that car availability is not the best at the moment so he's he's gonna go to the dealer and uh already ask for a new car not only do they have like <sighs> over a year of delivery time if, if you are yeah. um, just putting your, your own car together, but also the leasing contracts are almost double the price what he paid yeah, two so and I've, a half years back. I've, I've, put, I've put the order for this. So here's the thing, that this was originally a three-year lease. Um, December last year, it had a bit of a wreck. Um, the 15,000 euros worth of damage and the dealer was like, hey, you know what, we're going to buy this thing back for you from out of the lease and Uh, no cost to you like that's just I don't know that they're probably still making a massive profit on whatever they're, they're doing but they were like hey do you want a new one and I was like sure show me show me an offer and it was the same price as the one I have now pretty much the same car that they had already ordered like mm -hmm. a couple months ago the only difference is it has different seats um, doesn't have the, the <laughs> fake leather um, it okay. has the same shape seat that okay. is the entire difference and it doesn't have the, the sunroof which sucks anyway um So But is it a newer model? The so the 208, the E208. Um, I have the original model. Um, I think it was like the tenth car imported, the tenth GT um, imported into Germany. So I have like the very original model. It got a firmware update, um, which added a bit, added much better charging uh, and a bit of range, which I appreciate a lot for Peugeot. Um, then the current model has a bit longer gearing. Um, mm -hmm. So it has a bit more range again. So it jumped from three, 340 to 362 kilometers WLTP. Mm. And then the very recent model, which is the 2023 model, has the drive unit from the from the 308, which is mm. uh, 115 kilowatt instead of 100 mm. kilowatt. And that now has 400 kilometers of range, um, even though it has more power. I'm, yeah. I don't think I'm getting that one. I'm just getting okay. the updated one, which okay. honestly is fine. It's, yeah. um, I drove to Italy with, with mine and it's, it was fine. It wasn't fantastic. Mm. It was not like a Model S long range, but <laughs> it's fine. It's okay. Oh, I really envy you for that. I would, I would really like to have an EV because I, I have a, uh, a Golf Mark 7 diesel and not only is diesel currently horribly expensive. 235 per liter? Something like that. Yeah. That's like 10 bucks to the gallon almost. Um, so the good thing is Austria is, is not that far from uh, where I'm yes. living and uh, there it's usually like 20 to 30 cents cheaper um, which still is like expensive for fuel it's expensive especially for diesel because usually diesel was way lower in price than normal like regular fuel yep. uh, but currently it's, it's way more expensive than just regular the thing is uh, I I'm using that car so little at mo at the moment that that stupid diesel particle filter is crammed up all of the time because uh, I'm not using trips. it for 
um, just doing short trips yeah. that it is so annoying. Um, I have been driving so much with my other EV uh, or our, our other EVs, our uh, electric bikes. Yeah. This year, uh, almost a thousand kilo, uh, kilometers this year. Uh, I That's love good. them. I, it's it's great. It's one of the best investments that that we made last year. Two two bikes, one for me, uh, which is like a fully uh, a full full suspension full bike sense, yeah. for for fun, and then one for the wife where we can also hook like the the baby trailer in the back. You and could have that to the full size as well. I I, I do, but uh, it's usually <laughs> have, down in the have basement. You, have you seen the the who is it? Um, this the Sc Scottish guy. Yeah, yeah, a, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we shall link that below with the fully suspensioned uh, baby trailer. Yeah, yeah. A friend of mine actually has that trailer for his kid because he's he's I don't know doing a a ton of mountain biking here, uh, and and it's great because you can seriously go everywhere with with that trailer because it's so well suspended. Yeah, we just have a boring one. Anyways, so the thing is, I would like to have an EV, but um, it's so hard to get them at the moment. Uh, and they're way more expensive than they used to be due to yeah. higher um, bank uh, interest interest rates, interest rates the thing uh, is also availability. Yeah, availability. So what, what they're trying to do is they're going to sell you the high-end model. So I think the, uh, the lease card that we got my mom, um, which is a Zoe, um almost like base model i think we got like the the, yeah. the rain sensor and that was it um we pay 80 bucks a month for that which is <laughs> like no no down payment 80 bucks a month no tax uh insurance is super cheap yeah. fantastic the car is yeah. i mean you, you can tell the car is it's a pretty old generation of car but drive ev performance wise it's it's fantastic yeah. Yeah. um i don't think you really get that anymore I don't think you get those same deals anymore. So we're going to have to see if, we, if we're going to extend that lease. But yeah, yeah. So um, I'm, I'm fine with, with, the, with the 208. I'm, I'm getting like almost the, the top model anyway. So it works out for me. Very nice. So we got <laughs> from Formnext two EVs. But before that, a quick word from our sponsor, Beaconics. Hey, Stefan, have you ever tried using a microcontroller for your DIY props and lighting projects? No, I did not. Well, I'm, I'm not a prop guy, but of course, uh, I don't know. RGB LEDs have, have always been around, but it was always a hassle for me because programming everything and getting the libraries installed in Arduino and things like that was always really stressful for me. And if, if you're not like a programming guy, uh, it's, it's kind of hard to start. Well then, Stefan, I've got good news for you because today's sponsor, Beaconix, make all of that easy. They've got a graphical interface that you can use to program your own projects. It runs on Windows, Mac OS. They've also got a phone app for that that lets you very easily assemble your projects with pre-built modules. You can also add your own. And it's just very immediate. It's very intuitive. Uh, the way it works is through one of these Bluetooth-enabled microcontrollers. You flash the Beaconix firmware onto it, and then you do everything through their software. No code, no libraries, no messing around. That sounds really good. And I heard it's 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 just a really intuitive interface. You can directly see how that changes the lighting effects that you're working on. Yes, and lighting and prop making is really where I think the Beaconix software shines. You can do a lot more stuff than just that. They support 
a ton of sensors. They support a ton of input-output devices. Uh, you can wire up your switches. You can wire up uh, distance sensors, ultrasonic stuff. You can control your setups with the app that they provide. And the app for that does get auto-generated and auto-populated with the hardware that you're connecting to your boards. So, hey, Tom, where can our viewers and listeners then find out about this really cool and intuitive way of programming stuff and getting things working with uh, Beaconix? Well, you can find more info at Beaconix.com, also in the description below. And if you use code MELTZONE, all caps, you will even get three months of Beaconix Pro access for free. Thanks again to Beaconix for sponsoring this video. This episode... Yes. Uh, so yeah, I gonna be I gonna be at form next. I'll Engines. arrive. So if everything goes well, Pooch uh, Repcord is actually he's flying in Sunday to Frankfurt. Then he might take a train down to my studio, which is like four hours. Okay. Uh, he's he's gonna stay the uh, the night uh, here here in my office, and we might be filming something uh, on Monday, and then we're gonna take either my car or the train back to Frankfurt on on Monday night. Okay. So, trade show sharding is sharding starting. Oh <laughs> God! <laughs> trade show is starting on Tuesday, um, and I'll be there Tuesday, Wednesday, and half of Thursday. And Thursday night, I'm gonna take the the train or the car back uh, back home. Yeah. So. I'm I, two and a half days it's it's gonna be stressful because like from the previous years i know that even just wandering through the venue in yeah. in two days is hard i know i know and if i need to wander through everything if i need to find things that are interesting for me to film and then find the time for filming it's gonna be hard yeah make yourself a schedule um know like which time slots you have available for scouting out and yeah. then make an appointment for filming uh with uh, the exhibitors and say okay i'm gonna be yeah. there tomorrow at yeah. 9 a.m and we're yeah. gonna we're gonna shoot whatever we're gonna shoot and that's yeah. gonna be it that worked fantastically for me yeah. and go light on gear go very light on gear um i mean i i brought yeah. one of these zv1s uh yeah. to the to earth and it worked out so well loved it Plus, mic-wise, just the, the road go clip-on mics. I bought a set of those. We we need to talk about them. After, mine, after the, the thing take. is, mine, mine were clipping at Earth. I'm sorry for everyone who had to listen to that. I actually okay. got the um, Isotope RX plugin set to declip that. Okay. Uh, it probably just didn't wasn't tuned with the ZV1. <laughs> okay. But Did you get the dual mic yes. setup or okay? Yeah, it was like. 50 bucks more and then you can't get the transmitters by themselves you always have to mm. so I, I got the dual yes yeah okay purchase them also um i probably won't do it interview style as you did it on on earth um the thing is i i stole that format from you you were doing that sort of um format at murph where it was interview no you did you did voiceovers. no i didn't do interviews so well you, you had you had voiceovers right I had only voiceovers. Right. Okay. Uh, but probably just because I don't have ha had, uh, I did not have the the proper setup with me. I'm probably gonna do an interview when we are there, but uh, I'm I'm thinking about just doing really a voiceover afterwards to condense everything down. That it's gonna be interesting, not boring for the viewer, and yeah. to get the idea of a technology over in in a minute. True. That, I mean, yes, people who are at trade shows, they're not usually trained to do 
uh, like short, concise YouTube <laughs> format. Um, the reason why I didn't do like full interviews, I was never in the shot um, at Earth. Like I really, I, I didn't even need to because be there. you were I, so wrecked. No, no. I, <laughs> honestly, thinking about it, I could have just sent someone there and do all the filming for me. Yeah, huh, I, I no, nobody nobody would be the wiser. Um, yeah. No, I, I was wearing a mask the entire time um, at Earth, which certainly mm. wasn't fun for like four days straight, including in the airplane, airports, and stuff. But uh, look, I didn't catch COVID, so that worked. But the thing is, standing in front of a camera talking to people, it just doesn't look good when you've got you know when, when people can't see you talk. Yeah. I don't think that's that's a fun watching experience. So I let the people from the I let the ex- exhibitors do the talking. Yeah, um, and I think that worked out pretty well. No, I I also enjoyed uh, watching them, and and if you're cutting down on stuff and only getting the uh, the the interesting parts in, I think it's going to be a good option. So. Yeah. We'll see, we'll it, see. It does take some editing. Like, some of the videos I had to really edit down. Um, I felt bad for some of the people because they, they gave me, like, 20 minutes worth of footage and I condensed it down to five minutes. But, but that is but that is the thing what offsets you from just someone who puts a camera in the front, films everything, and then like nobody Nero? really wants to watch it. Sorry? You mean no, like no, 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 I, I'm... I, <laughs> I don't want to uh, point out somebody no, in in particular, but it's it a, makes it's a different it's a different format, it's a different right? format yeah. Um, and I enjoy that way more because I don't know I don't have a ton of time to to watch stuff like that. So I'm happy if somebody takes the time and edits things down into a more digestible format. So great job, yeah, great yeah. job there. Um, not not to bash on on Nero. I I, I talked yeah. to the guy about him. He's a great guy. The, the, the stuff he does, fantastic. Um, yeah. It's just it's different from from what I do, and that's that's fine. That's fine. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, um, events. I think we've we've covered events. How did we get on the EV tangent? Uh, we we keep yeah. talking about EVs. You you keep saying, "Hey, you want it, one," it and then me. it's like, <laughs> yeah. um, maybe maybe just a quick one right here because we have one question. We'll, we're not going to answer that in the end. Georgios uh, Lusigakis, sounds mm-hmm. Um Asked uh, that. <laughs> I'm trying to remember where I stayed for form next. I think that I th- I think it was some sort of a uh, yeah. Go, go ahead, read the question. Yeah. I'm trying to so he's it. asking. He's thinking about coming to form next, and if we are having any tips on uh, saving on uh, rooms or hotels. And I booked my hotel I think a week ago. And if you want to get something that is. In walking distance, and walking distance for me is like 20-minute walking, so like two kilometers, um, it's horribly expensive. So I have something which is pretty close to the uh, to the train station where I have already stayed um, a couple of years back. Uh, it was 110 bucks a night, but that was the cheapest option there. So all of the other rooms are 200 bucks and more. Um if, so the the cheaper options are at the airport, um, and public transportation is is pretty good from the airport to the to the venue side. Otherwise, Airbnb and just be a bit further outside. And even though 
people are always Germans are always complaining about German pu public transportation. It's <laughs> it's usually pretty good. So even though if you're staying yeah. a bit outside, public public transportation is gonna get you to the venue. Just just use Google Maps and um, see how long uh, it's it's gonna take you from something that is a bit further off. And if you know someone, you can always share a room and save half of the price. Yeah, if if you if you're down for that. Um, I stayed at the Kleine Villa Frankfurt, which is a f like they've. <laughs> it's it, it's the it's the funniest thing because they have like they I think they have like six rooms in total. Um, so that was 2019 when I stayed there. They have I think six rooms in total, and every room is themed after something else. So <laughs> one is Bert Lancaster. No idea what it is. Bert Reynolds, uh, Jane Fonda, Lisa okay. Minnelli. Uh, Liza Minnelli, Marlon Brando. So they've they've got they've got rooms that are themed after stuff. It was one of the more affordable ones, and it looked cute. So I was like, "Well, let's give this a try." And it was fantastic. So okay. it looks like they're closed over winter, uh, unfortunately. Okay. But if you if you ever make it to Frankfurt, that's that's a recommendation. It was not yeah. that expensive. Yeah. Um, so just just a, a, a not a kleine villa, kleine uh, villa, a small villa, Frankfurt. Yeah. Um, and it's not that far from the um from the inner city so yeah that works out um yeah just a just a side note there uh, i i don't want to talk about this next one because it is it is depressing um this one Twitter, yeah <laughs> the, the the twat finally bought the twit <laughs> here's the thing i have i have Elon musk and musk and stuff completely muted on Twitter because it just turned into garbage. It turned into like hot takes from positions that I like don't ever want to hear about. Um, so I just, I just started seeing tweets like, Hey, I'm moving to Mastodon. I'm, 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 I'm deleting my account here. I'm like, what is going on? Um, but yeah, it looks like, it looks like the, the, the Twitter finally got bought up by, uh, Elon Musk uh, yes. for, I don't know what the price finally was. 44 billion, I think. 44 billion dollars. And you, you're, starting, you're starting to see accounts like seeing, uh, posting like, hey, I, my, my, my follower account went from 153,000 to 143,000 uh, in the last couple of weeks. So <laughs> there seems to be a bit of an exodus. The question is, where are people going? Is 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 that a bit of an exodus, or is that are those the uh, the Twitter bots that are finally being deleted? Oh yeah, <laughs> the sure, ones sure. Elon discussed about. Um, of course, I I have heard it. I also I'm I'm too much on Twitter to be honest. Sometimes. Um, so you're looking for a reason to cut down on your Twitter usage? No. I haven't seen that many things changing at the moment. Um, so I'm I'm waiting. I'm not preparing myself to go on another one of these platforms because the thing is that even so many say that, that Twitter is often really toxic, the 3D printing and tech community on Twitter is most of the time really nice and helpful so i yes. i'm usually in that bubble yes asterix, asterix. um 
I, I, I agree with that. I think what I'm seeing on Twitter is generally helpful, interesting, engaging, encouraging content. However, I am very, very quick about muting, blocking, and just keeping my feed clean. Um, so I have curated my own Twitter feed and my own, the people that I follow are also curated to give me that content, to, to keep me out of drama and out of negativity and out of the, the shit storms that he gets on platforms like that. So I've, I've turned that into what I want to see. Um, generally, I think if you're just starting out and if you're just following people, it can be a bit of a unpleasant experience. Um, I, I don't think there's much of a doubt about that. And um, we've seen people get hammered down, even in the uh, 3D printing community, that, that you know every now and then need to say, hey, I'm locking my profile because I'm getting harassed on here. So yeah. it is a very real problem. If there's a chance that you can get out of it. There's a chance mm-hmm. that you can curate your, your, your feed as much or to a point where it's, where it's bearable. But I don't, I don't think that is the universal experience. Mm-hmm. I think I would be really missing. It sounds hard, but <laughs> I would be really missing out on a bunch of technology news, especially around 3D printing. If I, if I would not be on Twitter, because this is, one of the places where in regular intervals just interesting stuff gets highlighted yeah. in my timeline and sometimes i even follow that up and i don't know just just getting the ideas because i'm i'm not a ton on reddit anymore i don't know how discord works discord is, is closed communities essentially yeah yeah or special interest communities let's put it like special that. interest communities but but i'm also i i'm in a couple of those communities but i'm not regularly there where also people are um are sharing news and interesting things and stuff like that so i would i it would feel bad for me uh quitting twitter and for the moment i don't really have a reason Maybe uh, I finally have the opportunity to pay 20 bucks a month to get my blue oh verification yeah, cool. mark sure. on Twitter. Sure, let's let's all do that because yeah, capitalism fantastic. Um the the, the thing for me also is is kind of similar. Like Twitter for me is my main communication, my main social media, mostly like for again, just like trade shows, business. My yeah. job is to make YouTube videos. And that's where I kind of interact with people. Get why are you like going? <laughs> uh, my, you, you were we were going this. <laughs> no, my my job is making YouTube videos. It shouldn't be a surprise. Um, and Twitter is where 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 I interact with people. Right, that's that's where I find interesting stuff. Where where I communicate. Where I post stuff. Uh, and I would need some sort of a replacement for that. I don't think yeah. Facebook is much of a better better choice there. Um, I don't think Mastodon just being a, a, a very nerd heavy, you know, again, specialized community um, where there's just not going to be that sort of an audience. Uh, the name of the game, which I think we're going to get to in a second anyway, um, is relevance, is having, you know, having an audience. That is that is my job. That is your job as well. Yeah. And if the platform you go into is not giving you that, then there's there's no reason to use that platform yeah so you're gonna stay on twitter for the moment i have no other choice <laughs> yeah we'll see as as yeah we'll see all we'll right see what happens so uh yeah 
you told me that you have the feeling that you were missing out on interesting content and you're going to change your Kickstarter policy. I I think we've touched on this before um, in one of the previous episodes where I was like, is this is this still the smart move to do? And it ties into this, hey, what's my job? What's the what's the currency kind of that that indicates whether I'm doing a good job or not? And it's views. And what has been shown, especially these last couple of months, is that by skipping or by 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 saying, hey, I'm not going to cover Kickstarters because Kickstarters have often been a scam and they're not delivering what they're told or or what, what they're saying they're going to deliver or they've not been on time and all that attached to it, people don't seem to mind it. You know, people don't seem to care. And the, the, the content that I'm seeing on Kickstarters, on crowdfunding projects, pre-orders, built on promises, mm. that is content that people want to watch. Um, mm. Maybe maybe you're not going to admit that you want to watch it, but you do watch it. People watch it. There's there's no there's no <laughs> doubt about that. So essentially, by, by saying, hey, I'm not cover Bamboo Labs, um, or I'm not c- covering Construct 3D, um, I'm I'm missing out on views, and there's no point in making videos if they don't get views. Yeah. So essentially, I'm I'm gimping myself. I'm gimping my channel's growth and success by not covering Kickstarter and crowdfunder products. And mm-hmm. I just don't know if it's if it's viable to keep that position. I don't know. You, you, you're you in a much more relaxed position there anyways. You've, you've got the bamboo and... Um, I've, I've got the bamboo, but I struggled with myself uh, when I agreed to receive one. And the only reason... W- and I've already said that in the past. The only reason wh- why I accepted one was that the communication was so forthcoming and open with them. Um, that, And I saw the potential in that machine. So... True. Um, I think and in the j- end... J- just to be clear, yeah. I'm not like saying everybody who's who's covering Kickstarters is... is should, should be... Um, what's the word? I don't think it's wrong to cover those. I just think yeah. it's, a, it's a different approach, a different yeah. decision, right? I think it's okay to cover Kickstarters if you set the expectations and the possible outcomes right in the beginning and not after a 20-minute video uh, just mentioned in the last couple of seconds. Yeah, by the way, this is Kickstarter. Pay pay attention. Uh, But if you're pre-ordering, I'll get 10% affiliates money from that. If you're going to say this is a Kickstarter, pay attention. And this is what that machine or thing can potentially deliver it can be a good thing because you you have the reach or we have the reach to in a way of course promote interesting ideas and products and give those companies the necessary funding to get those ideas and machines to the market which might otherwise not happen Um, of course there's always the risk that they don't deliver that they're delivering too late or that they're not delivering what what they're promised but in a way um a kick kick it, the spirit of kickstarter is 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 good but it, <laughs> yeah we, we've talked about this before yeah so um, um the, the question i don't that, see it that bad the so. question that i have right now is like 
you're saying, hey, you have, have a warning in there, right? Yeah. Um, I have the disclaimer, hey, this is a yeah. Kickstarter. It might yeah. not deliver. Yeah. That warning is on every single crowdfunding site. Like if there's a project on, on Kickstarter, um, Indiegogo, wherever, there's always like, hey, the project doesn't need to deliver, but they need to update you. People Yet, are not reading the manual. People yeah. are not reading that before they pledge. They think yes. that they're that they will be getting their reward at some point. And I also still yeah. have a Kickstarter running from like three years ago, uh, servo motors for a printer. They never delivered yeah. 150 bucks down the drain. I and think people get upset when, when, when stuff doesn't get delivered, yeah. even though it's said right then and there, hey, yeah. there's no guarantee. So yeah. the question is, is that going to reflect on me, uh, on, on, on my channel, which is the only thing that I have, right? It's it's what I've built over the years. Is that going to devalue what what I do? Because like I've promoted this thing, and now people are on the hook for something that yeah. they're not going to get. The question is: Are you basically abusing your viewers so that you're getting more views? So uh, what I mean with that: um, So before you said, ah, I grow less if. I don't cover Kickstarter, but that's on me. That's that's like my moral position. But now that you're changing that, does this in a way mean that you are you you are potentially promoting things where your viewers are getting ripped off? And are you morally okay with that? And how can you make sure that? you don't feel bad in the end and people are not getting back to you and saying, but you promoted that <laughs> stuff and I, you know what I mean? I, th I think that that really is the core. Yeah. How do you communicate that, yeah. th that, that disclaimer that, Hey, this is a risk. This is a gamble. Um, and you might not get it. I, I don't think there's a good way to do that because look that the Kickstarters that are successful, <laughs> people are upset that, or that, that are successful, but don't get delivered. People are upset that they don't get delivered, even though it's said it right there. So I don't think that's really avoidable. Um, what if I end up promoting a scam? Yeah. And again, it, showing a showing a, a pre-product, a pre-production um, unit, printer, accessory, whatever, is promotion. Like that's that's all it is. It's um, I get the views. That's that's the deal. I get the views. They get the airtime. Um, yeah. that is that exchange that's happening there. Um, and I think Linus talked about this as, as well at some point that like a company sending a product, there's always, even though it's not explicitly stated, but it's always a, an exchange of values mm. happening. Um, so in, in my case, the, the value is the views. It's not the machine. I've, I've talked about this before. I've got all the printers that I want, but it's the, it's the views. Um, and am I okay with making that deal? Really? That's yeah I, th I i i think you in the past and i also try to um give my best to communicate openly what people are getting if they are pledging their money in, into a project but i think in a way um if you're doing that openly and if you are taking a proper look at the product and at a Kickstarter, you can help your viewers make a more informed decision. So maybe it's even 
better to do that promotion and, and point out things that might not be working and, and things that might be really interesting but others haven't seen so yeah but then then it's like hey this isn't working yet but they promise it's going to be working when they ship <laughs> and yeah that that that's sort of the the, the core issue with doing pre-release hardware because it's every, every sort of issues can be brushed off with like yeah we're going to fix that for the final one yeah and i've seen that before so yeah I I don't know. I'm 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 conflicted. I'm yeah. so often in these episodes we have topics where I'm like, yeah, I, I I see the one position, I see the other position, and I like I'm torn. I I I think that's a that's a general problem with me. Like so so many things, I see the interests of one party, I see the interests of another party, I see the conflict, and I can't really. I I, I see which side would be the right way to do things, but I I, I can't fully commit to that because it's like yeah. yes but they have a point too uh yeah so i i don't know i'm once if we've, we've talked about view with like hey once this is covered and once that is covered then then we can do this um i don't know once once i moved in here i can maybe sit down yeah. and, and have a have a think about that um but yeah maybe, maybe you guys listening watching can have some input here as well leave a leave a comment below uh, we're reading those as well. Should I cover Kickstarters? And if I do, how would you like me to approach that? Yeah. More pleasant topic? More pleasant topic. Coffee. Coffee, caffeine, 3D printing. You, you've you been binge watching James Hoffman. <laughs> you told me. Yeah, yeah. I've, I, I, think, I think I've made it through the, through the past three years of videos. Um, <laughs> Well, who's uh, James Hoffman? James Hoffman is the winner of the 2007 Barista World Barista Championship or something. He's a character. Like he's he's just a dude who's into coffee and espresso and just the the, the finer things in life. Um, just and to, he has a YouTube channel. Well, yes, of course. That's that, that that's kind of implied by binge watching him. Um, <laughs> just to, to paint a picture, like he has a little carry case for his tasting spoons so he's like seven seven little um <laughs> rainbow colored spoons in a, in a little carrying case i i love the guy he's he's just he's such a character he does such a good job um with explaining things um making them approachable like that i think that is that is very tough to do if you're like super deep into the expertise of of making espresso especially which seems to be rather hard um Staying on that level where you, where you can still explain things and where you can still make them approachable, I think that's fantastic. And there's, there's just so much knowledge oozing from from him. And you've actually you've actually met the guy. Yeah, I met James three years ago at a YouTube event in uh, in the UK, and I didn't know him. <laughs> so we were standing in the line to I think to get either lunch or even coffee i don't oh, know and we, and we started talking and of course i said yeah my channel is called cnc kitchen and what i'm doing and we got into sous vide cooking and and things like that and only later did i realize to whom i have have been talking to and he was such a nice person there um so it, and especially just seeing also how his content developed and what he's doing, what he's doing now, the the expertise that he's showing, and yeah. just 
doing that in a in a funny way. For example, I the the Makita coffee yeah. machine. Oh, and that video was, oh, was glorious. Oh, it's it's <laughs> so good. So everyone who just has the slightest interest in coffee, ch check out James Hoffman. And the thing is, if and you probably watched that video. Um, he, <laughs> I sure did. I don't yeah. know which one you're talking about, but I've watched them. Yes. Last year, he got a 3D printer. Oh, I've actually not seen that one. You've not ah, seen that? No. So, no. so the thing, and this was kind of uh, coincidental. This was last year, I think in September or October, he released a video, 3D printing coffee stuff. Uh, and just, I think a week later, I made my, my coffee filament. So where right, I put coffee yeah. grounds and like every second comment on that video was oh why didn't you send james hoffman some of that ah. he just got a 3d printer the week before at that point i somehow wasn't subscribed to him i don't know why <laughs> so i haven't seen that but uh yeah I, this would have been such a a great collaboration making uh basically coffee filament for james hoffman hoffman and i uh, i actually so this the same youtube event just was uh two and a half weeks ago um i was there i was hoping to also uh talk to to james hoffman again uh also about his experience with his 3d printer for example and i actually wanted if i had fo uh, found the time to to make some new coffee filament and uh just bring it over to him and Just, uh, I don't know, no, no strings attached. Just give it to him and uh, see what he, uh, what he thinks of it. He's, he's probably going to um, judge the, the, the smell and the, yeah. the aromas that that gives us during printing. So the thing is, <laughs> when, I, when I did my coffee filament, I used um, spent coffee grounds. So all, the, of, all of the good stuff was already gone. But this is the ecologic thing to do, to, to, to use stuff that you would just throw away as a filler for polymers. So, right. but the downside of that is that you're mostly getting rich of uh, rid of of the nice coffee flavor and 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 things yeah. like that. You're just getting like the burnt aromas that yeah. it, it smells S of. So I talked to to Proto Pasta. I don't know, also half a year ago, something like that, and they also made their own coffee filament yep. way back, and they just told me, yeah, we used uh, instant coffee. Which is a great idea because you, then you, I, I was really struggling that I had right, yeah, big coffee particles and coffee clumps in my filament that were just constantly blocking the nozzle. Yeah, when when you have a grind, when you have a typical like filter coffee grind size, you're talking like millimeter particle sizes, or even espresso, I, so, you've got like half yeah. a millimeter, and that clogs pretty much every nozzle. That clogged every nozzle, and and if you're just having uh, instant coffee, it's it's a very fine powder. So yeah. it's it's granulized and usually in the packages, but um, if you just crumble that down, it's it's just a powder. So um, a video idea I really wanted to do for for months, but I never got around to it is doing um, just PLA filament once again with uh, spent coffee grounds. I finally have a ball mill to get it really fine, mm. um, fresh coffee grounds to see how like if there's still some aroma left in, in, in the filament after the manufacturing process and the printing process, and then also use instant coffee and just see how much of that can you put into a filament to make, so, to make a really nicely looking but maybe also nicely smelling filament out of that. The, if, you the, ever, if you ever printed wood filament, it's so yeah. pleasant. I don't know if it's 
horribly toxic, but printing wood filament is one of the nicest things that you can do. It's just, it just smells like wood, like caramel. Oh, like freshly so cut pine. Oh, yeah. um, that, mm. So nice. The, the, <laughs> the question would be like, if you print like an espresso cup out of that yeah. coffee filament, does it actually dissolve some of that uh, or instant coffee back into into if you if you pour hot yeah. water into it does it does it make coffee <laughs> yeah that, that's <laughs> a good question i would say no because uh, if if you can properly like submerge the particles in the polymer or, or all of the particles should, be, should covered. be covered yeah but yeah it's it's just an interesting thing so ever ever since then i have been following uh, J- james hoffman and I really envy his his skill and talent in that, and yeah. was I was really upset not uh, meeting him two weeks ago. Yeah. Um, now, of course, the thoughts that start running through your head if you start watching James Hoffman is like, "Huh, is this a good mill that I or good grinder that I should buy? <laughs> How could I could I maybe get like a flare and and save some money over a, a yeah. full on machine like that?" And I was like. <laughs> <laughs> you're thinking about like hey how can i tweak this process and yeah. i think that's that, that's why, why i put this in there is there a crossover between or a, is it the same people that enjoy 3d printing that also enjoy making coffee or, or, or experimenting with coffee because i i, I think there mm. is quite a quite a similarity in yeah. what you do um you produce a result in both you produce uh you know printed parts with a 3d printer you produce coffee Hopefully, if you're into uh, into coffee making, and there 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 are a lot of variables uh, to tweak in your process. There there are things that you can change. You, you change the layer height, infill, etc. You change your uh, your grind settings, your brew times, your your dose on on coffee. Um, there are infinite amounts of upgrades and tweaks and mods that you can make to like hardware physically. Um, same as with 3D printing, it, it's probably a bit more like dialed down with 3d uh, with with uh, coffee making where it's like okay you need to hit this process perfectly though again with 3d printing also mm-hmm. if you if you don't hit the process apart some i think it's it's very similar in in just if you see it as a hobby yeah it's the same sort of challenges and 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 things you have to do so let us know if if you're 3d printing are you also into coffee or are you actually not into 3d printing and you're just watching this podcast for whatever reason and uh, <laughs> and are into coffee but not let us know is is there an interest um and the, also the price ranges are, are, are fairly similar actually so <laughs> uh, sort of a, you know a hobby always costs some money right that's yeah. it wouldn't be a hobby otherwise there's been some some discussion about that but you know, you can for for like a thousand bucks, you can get a really nice three D printer setup, or you can get a really nice coffee setup. Yeah, you can actually get a really really nice coffee setup for a thousand bucks. Now, thinking about it, it's actually cheaper than three D printing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the question is, how does it? Well, the consumables depends. Um, <laughs> get a bag of coffee for twenty bucks. You get a spool of filament for twenty bucks. Yeah, well, it doesn't end with coffee making. You can you can go all into the rabbit hole of roasting your own coffee and things like that. It's yeah, you it's, can make your own filament. It's 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 really really interesting. And um, yeah, I if I don't know if if I would have more time, I. <sighs> you, I mean, you're you're more into coffee than I am. I think. What what's 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 your gear? What's your setup? 
I do have a, oh my god, uh, I'm so bad at remembering names. I have a Eureka Magnum uh, coffee grinder, which is not one, which is um, a plate grinder. Flat What's the German name for that? Something like that. And I have a DeLonghi. It's it's not a super nice uh, DeLonghi eight four. How's it called? Uh, DeLonghi Dedicia six fifty eight. Um, just a coffee maker with uh, with a pump in there. But if you are looking behind me, can you actually see it? Yeah, you can. See, you can see part can I, of hold, it. Hold on, hold on. Oh yeah. There is my, that's my La Pavoni Euro, something like that, a a coffee maker where you need to use your own force and, yep. and power to push the water through the coffee. That's the James Bond coffee maker, isn't it? Is it? Could be. The problem with that one is yeah. that for the first coffee, um, the whole machine is still co too cold if you don't have like an hour to wait until everything is in a, is in a nice steady state. Uh, the second and third coffee, they're really nice. And the fourth coffee, either you already ran out of water or the machine is so hot that the coffee uh, tastes burnt. And that was the reason why we switched over to um, to one with, with a compressor. Right. La Pavoni Euro Piccola. That is that is yes. from uh, yeah. Live and Let Die. Seriously, I wasn't aware of that. Um, Roger Moore, isn't it? Damn it! Yep. I just watched the video where, where James Hoffman talks about it. So, <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm not. I'm not deep in like my. I'm not that deep into knowing all the missions by heart, but. Yeah, the thing the thing is in uh, the thing is in the end, uh, if you got got used to how your coffee tastes, and if you're, it's usually gonna be fine. <laughs> yeah, um, and also, I think thing with three D prints as well. Like if you if you like thicker layers, and that's that's your thing, and that's fine. And that that also looks great, but it's a different style yeah. than doing yeah. SLA printing. Yeah. Um, a friend, you know, with, with a friend, we've, we've tweaked their espresso maker. They've got a Lilith um, Anita, and it's set to 11 bars from the factory. Mm. Um, common agreement is like you brew your espresso at nine bars. So they've been brewing it at 11, 12, however many bars for years, and they've been happy with their espresso. We tuned it down, and now it's like, well, this, this doesn't take, taste good anymore. And it's like, yeah, you, you get used to whatever you have. Yeah. And if it's good for you, that's all right. Yeah, so so let's see how how we can maybe combine more coffee making, espresso, and three D printing in the future. I feel seriously. So my 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 top setup is I have uh, I have the the Bricka, the Bialetti Bricka. That's my yeah. my highest end coffee maker. Otherwise, I just do pour overs. Um, yeah, and yeah, it makes makes good coffee to be honest. But like, yeah. <sighs> but even uh, with pour pour over, uh, pour over, pour pour over, uh, what what kind of filter are you using? What is the technique to exactly. distribute the water? It's do you stir? It, do you swirl? Yeah, do you exactly. yeah, yeah? What's your ratios? 
Sorry for that, but but just for me as an engineer, I am I'm intrigued by by that because I know that there are a set of parameters and I would really like to know how the outcome changes yes. if I change one of the variables. And this is one of the reasons why I find also coffee brewing so interesting. Um the question in the end is uh if you <laughs> how how you uh how your body's gonna react if if you're trying uh coffee yeah. or espresso after espresso after espresso and not spitting it out that indeed would be even worse than a wine tasting and that was the problem with with trying to tune in that that lilith machine we, we tried to tune it in like we yeah. we, we did the experience more dose yeah. less dose finer grind yeah. i i grabbed the spoon like i, yeah. I was like okay i'm gonna have one spoon of each yeah. or two maybe uh, my buddy was yep. like, up, oh, sip, sip, sip. And after after like a dozen espressos, he was like, I got to stop now. This is getting yeah. too wild. Um, with espresso, you don't have a, you don't have much that you can measure. You can measure extraction um, with a refractometer. You, that, that's the one thing yeah. that you can like actually get a number for. But everything else, like how sour is it? How bitter is it? it mm. Does it have detail, texture, whatever? That's, that is something that you have to mm. subjectively experience mm. with 3d printing there's a lot more that you mm. can that you can actually measure and, and graph yeah right maybe two last things right here and they're a bit connected so uh at the youtube event in 2019 we had on the last day a coffee tasting in, in a roastery there and this was the first time when a uh barista or a a, uh, a coffee roaster made 10 different coffees for us and we had our spoon and tasted each and every one of them one after the other and this was a really interesting experience because this was finally the moment for me where i could really like taste the difference between one that is rather sour and waters rather stringent and, and things like that so that was a nice experience and one i think one of the best ideas james hoffman ever had for interactive content on youtube and i don't know if you have seen that live stream he was selling not five he said okay there's gonna be a live coffee tasting event i think in a month or something like that and you can order a trial pack of those five coffees from me and in a month's time we all gonna meet we are brewing that coffee together and then we are gonna taste it but it was a it was not a physical meet it was a live stream right? it, wa it was a live stream so from all over the world you were able to yeah just purchase that coffee and i think it was kind of a lot of work for him to ship all of that stuff from all of what i've heard uh but yeah pe people this was a way to to experience and maybe also to, to learn things about uh coffee in such a really interesting way which is just just possible with the with the medium of like live streaming and 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 online video distribution and things like that yeah um i i wonder what would be the, the equivalent for 3d printing yeah like i've been we, thinking about that as we well. all we all print the benchy the challenge with 3d printing which we we talked about in a, in a different context before we started recording here is 3d printing is slow like it yeah. always takes time if you want to do a project there's no hey i'm going to design something plop and there it is it always yeah. takes time yeah. making an espresso takes you what 10 minutes tops yeah. if you if you wait for your machine to preheat 10 mm -hmm. minutes and you've got a result and then you can make the next one mm -hmm. with 3d printing you print something that's two hours worth of print time so it's something that i struggle with with live streams when i unbox a machine it's like okay we've built the machine and now it's printing and now i will entertain you for one and a half hours while we watch 
the Benchy yeah. print. That's that's tough. That 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 kind of limits what you can do with three D printing formats. Um, there's always that wait time. Yeah. Um, so, hmm. I don't know. <laughs> I've been thinking about that question for the last two weeks now. <laughs> Could there be something similar? Because I think this is a perfect business opportunity. And also just interaction. Yeah. Opportunity. So, so kids, so I think that the kids, yeah, they had the coffee in them. They also had third wave water, which is a, a mineral concentrate that you add to distilled water to have like your, your, your normed, normed, your, your, yeah, set yeah. quality of water that um there is apparently yeah. a standard a standard a standardized uh, water there is a standard to how yeah. much of each minerals there should be in, in your espresso water mm. um so like everything controlled and yeah. yeah it's perfect if if i would have known about that and unfortunately i, I haven't seen that i think i would have been so into that <laughs> yeah but th th they were apparently selling out of the kids pretty quickly yeah yeah <laughs> and I, i i think it's kind of a a challenge to ship out i don't know a hundred thousand of those of those trial packs if you don't really know um how it's gonna work out and you need to pack everything and yeah i mean so. i guess i guess when it comes to to like sending out sample packs like that alien 3d could probably organize that yeah um he, he kind of knows how, how to do that yeah so I'm oh, sure. was two two and three years ago the yeah. world largest coffee tasting And a, a second one. Anyways, let's continue from uh, coffee to maker maker bots, maker makers. <laughs> Ultibot, Ultibot. Um, so I need to start this out with a correction before I forget. Um, I last episode, which I'm sorry, was five five weeks ago. Um, I said that uh, you imagine was still part of Ultimaker. It is not. Um, You imagine it has apparently been independent from Ultimaker for a good while. Um, so that conflict of interest that we kind of talked about, like what's going to happen to you, imagine what's going to happen to Thingiverse, um, is a non-issue because you imagine is its own thing. Uh, Thingiverse is part of Ultimaker. Um, so yeah, that's that. It's going to be Thingiverse for them. Yeah. Um, Though I did put this in as a note as well, you imagine is also pretty broken. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, I tried to to look at some of the older models that I had posted at the time when you imagine was like fresh and it was the alternative to Thingiverse before Prusa Printers Printables um, has been around. I've been posted to you imagine because I was like, eh, I want to post this to MakerBot. Uh, yeah, the images don't load. The site's broken. Like it's not a good experience either. I would say it's probably more broken than Thingiverse. Um, so. Not a, not a good outlook there either. Browse through over 19,000 open designs that are ready to print. I'm wondering how many designs there are on Thingiverse. More than that, by a long shot. Yeah. And let me see. I, I, I'm currently just checking. Ooh, but it's still, I don't know, kind of active. If I take a look at the last upload, it has been on the 26th of October that was just five days ago so people are, seem to still be using it that's pretty bad no upload in five <laughs> days that is okay that's dead that is very dead but people are still using it sure people are also yeah. still using MySpace so I guess it's, yeah <laughs> um, yeah so apparently non-issue yeah. if you're not using you imagine anyway that mm. 
Though, again, I, I think the, the the point that I made that something was going on with you mentioned that it's that it's getting resurrected or whatever i think that is independent of, of whether it belonged to ultimaker or not i think that is just the you mentioned team mm. trying to do something there yeah but the reason we're talking about you imagine is and i put that in there but i think i misread that actually is uh that ultimaker ultimaker with a big m in the middle uh launches the new MakerBot sketch a large 3d printer for educational purposes and i need to correct you there because you actually did misread that they launched the sketch large oh sorry the sketch already existed okay and so yeah the reason why I put that in there was I misread that because I'm a horrible <laughs> reader and I thought they that they have launched launched the sketch and just when I first looked at the MakerBot sketch it looked to me like a rebranded FlashForge printer and since I know that um FlashForge is licensing out their printer and I don't know if if you probably buy 10 or 100 you I, I could have a CNC kitchen uh, uh, FlashForge printer. Well, they're, they're, they're white labeling them essentially. Right? They're, they're not licensing for yeah. others to produce. They're just yeah. manufacturing them yeah. for you, and they're putting your label, your brand yeah. on there. So the uh, the Dremel makers are from FlashForge. Aldi is selling in, in Germany yeah. the Be Becker, Becker, something like that. They are also FlashForge printers, and there are a bunch of others around. And I just I just didn't know because it looked so similar. If if MakerBot is doing exactly the same, but uh, since the news wasn't there, uh, since since the news wasn't that this printer is new, it's just a larger version. I'm I'm not so sure anymore. So probably the MakerBot, no, sorry, UltiMaker. Oh, it's called UltiMaker Sketch. Yeah. What? No, it's a MakerBot Sketch. Well, right here in the article it says UltiMaker Sketch 3D Printing Range. Range. Uh, anyways uh, hold on sorry this might be loud ah sorry about that I'm, i'll make a note to edit that out the so the video is uploaded by makerbot and it's called the makerbot sketch large so okay oh you listen to the yep. same no is okay yeah. maybe it's just mislabeled by 3d printing well, history it's it's ultimaker is the all-encompassing company and and the brand's yeah. Ulti, God, the, the brand's <laughs> Ultimaker and Makeabot. I, I mean, that they're still going to exist, right? That's what people yeah. know. So it 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 puts that it puts that 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 market segmentation. Mm. It, it, well, it emphasizes that I think where it's like uh, Makeabot is like educational. They've got the curriculum. Um, they've got all that already in place, and then Ultimaker, I think, really are positioning themselves as like, hey, we are the professional, the enterprise, you know, use us in your production environment or in your professional prototyping environment. Mm. Um, I think that that's really where they're going with that. Yeah. Um, so back to what I thought, it looks so similar to a FlashForge uh, with like the transparent side panels and things like that. Of course, uh, it's all closed because educational facilities, I don't know, require a, often require a closed printer. I see the same thing at, at this, at the school right here. I'm, I'm, I've been helping out so you, a couple of times. You say closed is like enclosed or closed is like a closed sorry, ecosystem. En, no, enclosed. That, okay. That's the right word. Uh, not only necessarily due to the particles, but also due to 
the kids potentially burning their fingers on the nozzle. I don't know. They they have been working with soldering irons since. So, I have burned myself so bad and so many times with a soldering iron compared to a 3D printer nozzle. Well, it's it's not just that. It's not just the burning risk, which I think, you know, with a nozzle, we have so much stuff around it. I don't think you can... It's it's hard to burn yourself. It's also the crushing risk. It's the hair getting tangled in yeah. there. It's yeah. reaching into a moving mechanism <laughs> generally yeah. is not a good idea. Yeah. Um, in a way, I do understand it. And I... I do like um especially the filter in there um maybe another thing uh, i i can talk about after that um but the thing that i also found so interesting i know that the uh, the flash pots i uh, they are also using these print core styles inserts for the hot ends that you can really switch out quickly and this looks so similar what they're the, using i mean the thing is flashforge the entire reason flashforge exists is because they started cloning the makeabot replicator replicator 2 that was, yeah. I think, the first replicator. Yeah, the, the plywood one. Um, that's where Flashforge started out. So yeah. it would be very ironic if it's now MakerBot using Flashforge designs. Um, I think it's really just Flashforge looks like MakerBot because they are cloning MakerBot, essentially. Uh, yeah. So so if anyone has some inside information, uh, please let me know. I would be really uh, interested to... to uh, to learn if that's just a pure coincidence or if it's maybe a license from Flashforge. Who I knows? Don't, I don't think so. I, I, I would be. That would be uh, abstruse. Abstruse? <laughs> Weird. Wild. But, well, in a way, yes. But on the other hand, if... Now, of course, they are in kind of a competing market because, I don't know, Flashforge printers are also... Also often used in education facilities. Anyways, if anyone has more insights, information, please let us know. I would be really interested. Do we have a Do we have a tip line? Uh, a tip line. <laughs> uh, you, you can send your your insider information at anonymous tips at themelt.zone. Uh, uh, yeah, you, you're gonna get them. <laughs> yeah, that's that's, that's, that's catch-all addresses. Um, all right. Should we answer some questions to yes, close this one out? We're already at, at over an hour. Yeah, we have we have lots to catch up on. Um, for example, from David, uh, anyone else yelling "Gritfinity" to organize your stuff? Um, and I think that is in in context to me having nope, other way, me having built out the kitchen in the background of the studio with drawers and inside drawers and lots of space. And Gritfinity, you've you you know the Gritfinity. The, the, go ahead. Yes, I know Gridfinity, and it, it took me a while until I, I don't know, made the connection at that point. Uh, it's an organizing system by uh, Friedman. Oh, I'm so bad with Zach names. Zach Friedman. Zach Friedman. I, I should know his name because he has the same nice, perfect curly hair as I do. Um, so, yeah. Organization system for... A ton of different stuff and uh, pe people seem to really like it um, I I should probably use it because my office currently looks really bad yours looks way more organized with your drawers huh. that viewers can uh, see in the background so, so well, it's 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 a mess still it's not moved in um, but yeah the 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 grid system um, cool idea 
to be honest. Very cool idea if you want, like, perfect. If you have, if you want to kit out, like, uh, some some drawer or some area with, hey, I'm going to have my socket set, I'm going to have my soldering iron tips, I'm going to have all these. It's on a 42 millimeter grid because, like, of course, that's the answer to everything. You make, make it on a 42 mil grid. Um, and you can you can print all the modules, right? It's not a commercial... Yes? No, it's not. It's, you, can print, you can print everything yourself. And you print just the stuff you need. Um, that works for, a, I'm going to say, a limited amount of applications. First of all, the, changing the setup is going to require more printing. It's going to have waste because you, your inserts always fit whatever you put in them. Second of all, if you need like a lot of space, these drawers are 80 by 60 centimeters. You're looking at two to three spools of filament and weeks of printing. <laughs> and so the way that I went is I, I'm, I'm buying these, these IKEA trays that are on a five centimeter grid that you can get in all bunch of different sizes and they fill out the drawer nicely and I just pack all my gear in there and it works. And one of these is 30 cents. Which is impossible to print it for that kind of money. So, and it's like fifty percent recycled material. I don't know, polypropylene. So, that's I, I think that's that's why they're this tan color because it's like somewhat recycled and they don't have control over like the full resin or the the full raw virgin material. So, they just give it a bit of a of an odd yeah. color. Three um, D printing is not the solution to everything. Three D printing is a solution to a lot of things, but sometimes it it's the wrong solution and in this case where you have a lot of space to fill it would not be the right move do you want to say that gridfinity is not the solution for everything yes <laughs> yes but you still like the idea i love the idea i think it's fantastic it's just it's not It's not scalable. It's not scalable to no. like maybe maybe one drawer. I, I think I've I've hinted at this uh, on Twitter. Maybe like one drawer. I'm going to kit out with the Gridfinity system. No. That can be its own video. I don't know. No. Um, but if I were to fill, I have I have like 18 or 20 drawers in this kitchen. Mm. Um, that was the most expensive part of this entire kitchen was was the drawer slides and stuff. Um, and filling those with Gridfinity would eat through a significant amount of my filament reserves um and uh you know it would be much much more expensive and less flexible than just chucking stuff in these little trays so 30 cents a pop you cannot print something this size for that money yeah. all right next one okay this is one that that you were struggling to i had to explain this one to you um from 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 Florian Wallinger. And I'm gonna summarize this. Um, basically, he's asking, hey, can you do a... He's saying print every layer with a slight Z offset. So basically what he's saying is like add a texture to your motion as or to your Z motion as you print your parts. So don't print flat layers, print textured layers. Print, you know, a bit of a, bit of a wiggle. Press the nozzle into your previous layer or have a structured... Um, tooth profile to give the individual layers more surface area to interlock. Um, would that help with layer adhesion? Maybe. Um, I. I <laughs> God, God damn it! That's such an engineering. 
answer hey it depends <laughs> it's it's it depends i would really like to to try it out when i was in um in switzerland a couple of weeks ago take a look at the four axis prusa thingy i the uh Uh, the lecturer there, he also showed me his test where he exactly did that, where he basically imprinted a, a sinusoidal wave on uh, on a couple of tensile samples. Uh, the problem was that I I, th I think he used the the wrong filament, and the the samples were just already crumbling apart uh, with with bad layer adhesion. Um, I don't know if he actually reprinted them, but this is something I would really like to take a look at at some point so it's so just a just a gut feeling estimate here um it is probably not going to be like a, a universal improvement um because essentially what you're doing is you, you you're, you're changing the layers from being flat to being on an angle and then the next bit is on a different angle so you're changing the layers from being like Cartesian XYZ to mm -hmm. being something like a belt printer where the layers yeah. are all on 45 degrees degree angles. You're just changing that 40, let's say it's on 45 zigzag pattern. You're just changing that angle. So you gain square root of two, no, one, one over the square root. No, you gain square root of two in surface area when it comes to the Z direction, but you also introduce layers um, and layer boundaries mm -hmm. in X and Y possibly um so it it's probably it's going to improve your, your z axis strength but it's also going to decrease strength in other directions and then if you mm. do diagonally you've you've you know it's a bit of a mixed bag yeah depends on your part depends on your part and, and that's <laughs> There we go. and that's the thing if, if you're improving one thing you will always you will usually also have a downside for for other parts and if you just don't have like simple dog bone samples load cases are usually way more complex yeah. um than on yeah such such um such a well a test part that is designed to really be only loaded and tested in in one loading direction yeah. which is so. why you've got your your hook i've got my, my philbin mm -hmm. testing samples yeah. which are intentionally not just the standard dog mm -hmm. bone uh dog mm -hmm. bone din iso whatever it is Uh, sample part that you would use if you have a process that is like fully perfectly uniform and under control which 3d printing is definitely not all right shady business yeah. is asking <laughs> what do you think about merging your channels and naming them cnc san Ladera and thomas kitchen um here's a here's a fun thing i think that the one of the first exchanges we two had was like hey can you like can you like put two channels in one and like cross promote them i, I don't yeah. know what what my idea was there but it was like you're doing cool stuff i would like to promote yeah. your stuff and i see people watching yours like how how do you work together there yeah um turns out that's not really possible or even a good <laughs> idea i think um should should you merge channels i don't i don't think so um we i mean we've got reasonably similar things that we do but not really I, i think i think it's it's good that we have like our own unique stuff that we do on our channels so we have our unique stuff that we're doing and we often have kind of similar approaches because we both have kind of a similar similar i don't know educational background but we're still approaching 
uh, a similar things from a kind of a different perspective. Yeah, we we have a we have a similar expectation to how well we want to do, um, let's say, tests or, or yeah. reviews. Um, yeah. The re the reason for this question probably uh, was Ultimaker and MakerBot, so it's <laughs> yeah, yeah. probably not really meant that seriously. But on the other hand, since you currently have an even way better spec kitchen behind you than than I'm having, you should call yourself the Thomas kitchen or the Layer kitchen or something like that. Yeah, I'm, I'm thinking of like different merger names of like I don't know. <laughs> layer maker nah. <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah uh, yeah ah, all right writing. I, I, I keep teasing this but i never have like the mind space to to finally do the full transition of the channel yeah, the mind space and the balls and that's guess. that too yeah because it could it, i mean it definitely could go horribly wrong i, I feel like if i if i pull the channel rebrand I'm going to need something to, to follow it up with because if, if it's just like, oh, yeah, it's the same. It just has a different name. It's just a poof. Who cares? <laughs> I, I kind of want to do that with a bang. I, I don't know. I don't know. At some point. Yeah. Um, 75 kicks, 75. Um, as a follow-up to my entire workshop studio situation, um, is asking, is there, is there a possibility to get a commercial space where I could sublet or lease that space to other makers. Um, like he's saying, have a specifically lockable area for you and makers and have like a public area, basically a maker space, right? Where everyone gets a locker with their own stuff, with their own gear. And then you have shared tools, you have a shared space and whoever comes in does their thing, hopefully cleans up and then the next person can use that space. Um, basically what he's saying is like, Oh, you're gone. Can you still hear me? Yes. Okay, your image oh. in Skype is gone. Yeah, that the reason for that could be that my camera ran out of battery. Okay. Um, it's the last question. Uh, <laughs> uh, we, we're gonna we're gonna need a battery in a second for you, but um, yeah, yeah. If you want to grab that, or do you have a do you have a spare? I, I do have a spare right okay. here. I, I thought usually it, it lasts for two and a half hours, but we have been talking full, too much before full we started. Frame, man. Bad battery life. Uh, let, let's just finish answering that question. Okay. So basically, what seventy five gig is is asking a Tom, do you want to do you want to run a makerspace on the side? And that is, I I mean, that's not something that you can just do on the side. I I know from people who run the makerspaces in Munich, like that is more than a than a full job, full time job essentially, if you want to do it right. Um, I, I would love to have something like that. I would love to have a, a shared space that people can come in, have access to tools and space and resources and knowledge and a community. I would love to have that, but I'm not going to be the one who runs that. I, I'm, I'm not going to be able to spread myself that thin to do uh, a YouTube channel, to do a makerspace, to do everything else that it takes to run a makerspace and that it takes to run a YouTube channel as a business. Not, not viable. Uh, not not something. Okay, love to have it, just not possible. Yeah, and it's a big business risk. Like if if you're <laughs> like as a commercial entity saying, I'm gonna buy a twenty thousand square meter um, warehouse and I'm gonna blend that out. Like 
that's a bit of money that you're investing both either in rent or in upfront yeah. costs. Yeah. And Patreon's not paying that well. <laughs> yeah, and YouTube. So at least for me, YouTube this summer was also kind of a bit slow. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. Last maybe side note, I you sh- no, hold, hold I, on. You, you should yeah. you should get a battery. No. Swap that thing. Come on. Ah, okay. I'm I'm talking to the void here. (laughs) And we're going to edit the Jeffers baby back. I'm so mysterious. Three, two, one. (laughs) Ta-da. Um... I'm I'm a I'm a I'm a founding member of a makerspace here in in my city and we we did that this Wednesday. Oh, nice. (laughs) I was so I wanted to have a makerspace right here for ages. Now I have basically have my own makerspace, <laughs> my private makerspace. So uh, I'm, I was a bit dragged. I wouldn't say dragged is a bad word. Um, I told them right off the bat, yeah, I will not have the time to spend every weekend there, but I'm happy to promote it with our city and maybe be able to give you a couple of equipments and maybe talk to companies around here. Um, so yeah, we had our founding meeting this, this Wednesday. Uh, we don't have, we don't have equipment yet. We don't have uh, a, a place yet, but the Verein, uh, the yeah. club uh, was founded. Um, and that's kind of a not so easy thing here in Germany. If, uh, if really? you want to make it tax, 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 tax deductible in the end so you're like um, uh hold on did you need to be like a G- gmbh no no uh it's it's just so um so a a club can be gemeinnützig serving the common good common good and then if you are donating something to that club it's tax deductible as a Okay. As yeah. a donation. So from um, the outside, if you're donating from in, the then outside. you can exactly. expense that. Yeah. So, um, but for example, um, a sports club, if you have a football club and things like that, they are also usually gemeinnützig, serving the community and things like that. And you can donate them and uh, and tax deduct that. that. But the uh, your monthly or yearly um, beitrag, your... Membership th- fee. The membership fee is not tax deductible, but if the club that you're founding is uh, for educational purposes and things like that, um, it is your membership fee is tax deductible. So we are now tax deductible for our membership fees, which is good for the ones who are part of that um, of that club because it's cheaper for them in the end, and. On the other hand, we are gemeinnützig, so serving the community. So companies and other people can just donate money and uh, we can write those the yeah. paper thing and yeah. they can yeah, tax deduct that in the end. But uh, it's not that easy, especially with formulations. What you can do, for example, oh, you can't yeah. do arts. You can't do arts. So art is not for art, the common art. good. No, uh, something like that. So we are only doing training and um, education and things like that. All right. Okay. That's it. Yeah. (laughs) 
Well, I'm I'm looking forward to to how that works out. And if you if yeah. you guys need gear or equipment, uh, let me know. Maybe I've got some some spare stuff sticking around. Yeah, I heard um, you still have a CNC mill and a lathe somewhere. Yeah, well, those those I'm I'm hopefully going to be able to. I, well, it's not CNC; it's just manual. Um, Anyways, still happy with that. <laughs> those I think I'm actually going to move into the basement here, even though there's like not that much space but have you seen I, I think you might have retweeted that have you seen um click springs shop there's been i haven't retweeted that but no i haven't seen that um there's or it might have been somebody from the 3d printing community retweeted um a photo from click springs shop and it's like there's a lathe there's a lathe there's a mini mill and there's like 50 centimeters in between <laughs> it's it's like it's like half a half a camper um and it's amazing what he does in that space. Okay. And so. since since then you knew that you even have more space. Yes. And smaller machines, so it's doable. Yes. So that that's going to go into the, the space that uh, used to house the, the oil tanks. Um, that oh. was 6,000 6, liters worth of oil tanks that we took out a couple of years ago. Currently, that is a bit of a 3D printing corner, the mini lathe in pieces mm. is, is sitting there it's it's space that is not very well used i think i can make them fit definitely cool. better than, than letting them sit in the garage that they're in right now because it's getting foggy and cold and, and moist um in that space <laughs> and or is it getting humid perhaps <laughs> <laughs> all right um but yeah the machines are the machines are, are all oiled up they're hopefully going to be okay until i get them in here mm. All right, so we've made it. I hope this this episode makes up for our lack of episodes over the last couple of weeks. Um, I think a bit over one and a half hours. I, I hope that satisfies all of your listening uh, needs. Uh, thank you all for listening. Thank you, Stefan, yeah. for taking the time. Thanks for yours. If you want to support us, um, there are links to our patrons down in the description, or um, we have YouTube Super Thanks now activated on this right. podcast. So you can, uh, yeah, just post a super thanks and uh, yeah, have a special comment under this video of the podcast. Very well, cool. That's it for this one. We will hear you all hopefully in a no no promises soon. Yeah, let's see, two soon. or three weeks. All right, take care, everyone. Bye. Bye bye.